Hello and welcome back to The Moments That Made Me. This week's guest is a model, author, podcast host and body activist. I have been following the incredible Charlie Howard for a while now and have been drawn to her confidence, her striking beauty and inspiring message that all bodies are beautiful. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hello, Charlie. Hello, Roxy. How are you? Ah, oh, I am so good. It's a rainy, windy day outside, but you have brightened it. Oh, thank you very much. It's bloody hot in here, though, isn't it? No, no, it's boiling. I'm it's like sweating. Yeah, my hair's going to be frizzy after this. It's all good. Thank you so much for coming in. No, thanks so much for having me on. So, we are talking about the moments that made you, the defining moments that got you to where you are today um and we're just going to kick straight in Mm because i'm really looking forward to hearing what your first moment is god um i mean there are a few moments where it's like i don't want to i I still don't feel 100 ready um to talk about everything i suppose like you know and, and there are definitely things in your life i think you should keep private but i think the main the one defining thing that i think really took my life from A to B and it was like a real transitional period was when I wrote a Facebook post mm-hmm. um, to my old agency where I basically called them out on their toxic behaviour and the way that they were treating models at the time because as you know modelling is um, and can be very what's the word difficult <laughs> and um, I put my foot down and then after doing that that's when all the host of opportunities came along so when was this this was 2015 and how long had you been a model up until that point i think i'd been a model by that point for three or four years properly yeah i I tried to become a model before that because in my head it was like if i became a model then i would you know be happy and i would be successful and all these other things i built up in my head and then obviously it just isn't like that at all. Yeah, because there is, I mean, I don't know, when you're a young girl, you do look at models and you think like, you know, everyone's going to like them and they're going to be successful and popular. And all the boys will like them. Yeah, of mm. course. So is that definitely what you were thinking? Were you thinking that's what I want? Yeah, 100%. I just wanted to be happy. And for me, happiness was being considered beautiful. It was having money, well, you know. <laughs> Most models actually don't make that much money, but um, having money, like having boys fancy them, the likelihood is you're going to meet men who just want you for one reason, you know, it's not like a positive thing. Right. Yeah. Um, It really wasn't what I expected it to be. When did you realise that? At that moment, when I wrote this Facebook post, I think. So what happened was I'd been modelling for about three or four years, 
unsuccessfully you know I think I had this idea that once I got signed I would be making loads of money like I said you know traveling the world and things like that and and you don't because it's such a fickle industry where only you know a handful of people really do make it and manage to make money from it you know for me it was always like once you get down to this size then then we'll send you off to this casting or once you get down to this measurement we'll send your book out to this um that's what you were being actually told yes yeah kind of wow like as a young girl how old are you at this point when you're being told this 21 from 21 to 24 i mean that in itself i mean it's not one moment but that has got to be a defining period because you're trying you know you're just out of whether it's school or uni or at that age where you're really just finding out about yourself and who you are and building your confidence and your self-worth and you're being told you're not good enough you're not skinny enough you're not thin enough I mean what is that going to do to your confidence and and how you perceive yourself in the world well my confidence was kind of at all-time low anyway because as I'm sure you did you know we kind of grew up in a time where as a teenager everything was about women's looks every magazine that you bought was about size zero every single tv show and advert and everything just featured skinny skin that's not American skinny white women (laughs) all over the place and we were taught you know perhaps subliminally subliminal subliminal how do you say bloody hell subliminally subliminally (laughs) that um in order to be successful you had to be thin and you had to be pretty so you know when modeling came around it was just another way of encouraging that kind of behavior so you're being told this and then you have enough Mm. And you write this Facebook post. What does this Facebook post say? So what happened was I hadn't been getting work. And again, like I was saying, it was because, you know, I would hear from casting directors or magazines or whatever. They were trying to book me for jobs. But my agency was saying, oh, no, she's not there. Sorry, she's away on holiday. I wasn't on holiday. I was literally in a flat in Peckham. Do you know what I mean? What? Yeah, I really, I wasn't there. And I was just twiddling my thumbs, you know, waiting for phone calls to come in, you know, where I might go to a casting, la, 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 la. And, um, yeah, I got dropped they, they, they called me wait up. why were they not sending you to these jobs because I wasn't thin enough because I wasn't thin enough but sh- why is, it, really why is it the agent's decision anyway well this is this is kind of the, the moment of realisation that I had because up until that point I was so desperate to fit into someone else's idea of beauty and when I got dropped it was honestly like having this moment of it was like a film like I was in the bathroom looking in a mirror whilst on the phone and I was just looking at myself and I was like what am I doing like why why am I now 24 years old and my whole life I've been told what should be beautiful like who invented this ideal who said that being skinny and super thin you know and and having gorgeous glossy hair whatever it is um is perfection but I'd always just gone ahead with what everyone else wanted. And and at that moment, when I got the phone call saying, you know, we don't want to represent you anymore, it was like this this moment of, of wokeness. Yeah, it was <laughs> yeah. your, like, epiphany. It was my epiphany moment where I was just like, fuck this shit. And so I wrote this, so I wrote this Facebook post that was a bit sweary. But also, you know, I think kind of got to the point. I was just like, you know, you constantly put women down. And I shouldn't have said this. And I, I do regret saying this, but... Um, I said, you know, you sit at your desk all day, shoveling biscuits down your throat while judging us on our appearances. You know, it's like, well, where's the, like, where's the irony in that? You know, I'm not saying like, you know, should not probably have said that. But no, there I are mean, definitely. You, look, you were emotional. You were young. You said whatever you needed to say at the time, and like, good on you for like standing up for yourself. But that's quite a brave thing because you're really going up against the industry, right? 
yeah. when you do something so publicly. So well, it does take like serious balls to do that. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I'd say is that it wasn't meant to be public. I didn't realise that my Facebook settings were <laughs> not on. And had it not been, it, it wouldn't have been shared as much as it Stop. was. Meant but, to be. The universe was working for you I then. mean, literally, what the hell? It was like, honestly, having this out-of-body experience um, because <laughs> over the next few days, it must have been a really slow news week, guys, because it was on like in the Times, in the Daily Mail, like in the actually in the newspaper printed. And then I was in the kitchen, like getting breakfast the next day. And my Facebook was getting inundated with just like journalists being like, please come on this radio show. Or please come on this TV show. Or come on Channel 4 or come on, do this, do this, do this. And um, I was in the kitchen and then this politics program was playing with my photo on the screen. And another thing I didn't realise, which may be interesting for your listeners, is that if you if you post a photo on Instagram, it's not your... Um, what's the word it's not your uh, property yeah, anymore yeah. so they can use whatever they want with it so they were just taking these pictures you know that I kind of thought were a bit not private but I don't know yours mine and, and using them on the screen were you just like what the fuck like, is what going on the fuck yeah I, I was just lashing out and now I'm all over the news yeah it was just it was really something else yeah and what happened next? Did you go on radio shows? Did you start like doing appearances, yeah, talking well, about it? You know, as far as I was concerned, that was it for me. I was like, I wasn't interested in, in becoming a model anymore. I, I tried modelling; it hadn't worked out. I was like, ready to focus on writing and, and focus on using my brain. And then someone said to me, "Look, you know, you've got this opportunity. You've been approached by these massive news channels. Why not go on and talk about it?" And I kind of thought, "Yeah, I suppose you know, I've got nothing really to lose." Um, because I, I genuinely didn't have anything to lose. Like, I didn't care about going back into it. So I went on a couple of um, news shows and I went on a couple of uh, radio things. At the time, I don't think podcasts were really a thing, <laughs> even in 2015. Um, and yeah, I just really spoke about it. And I think that a lot of people, I think it resonated with a lot of people because, you know, regardless of whether you're a model or not, I think all women have felt shame about their bodies. Absolutely. And the fashion industry really does have a huge part to play in that. Yeah. Whether we like to admit it or not, you know. And in def- and 2015, this really was something that wasn't spoken about. You were, I guess, one of the... Were you, would you say you were one of the first people to really be publicly speaking about this? Um, there'd been a couple of people before me, but their careers had ended there and there. Um, because they spoke Because about they it. spoke out. Um, someone said to me, because it was quite well written, that maybe that's why people listen to it more. Yeah. Um, but, you know, after writing that, I then got approached by... A new agency in America and I'd always been told you can't work in New York you're never going to make it in New York um, and then this agency from New York said you know would you like to come over and meet us we'll pay for your flight obviously I had to pay for the flight in the end but, <laughs> <laughs> but like would you want to come over and you know um, meet us and stuff so I went over and yeah and then signed and then got signed so what's mm. your second defining moment second defining moment would be when I started to get help from my eating disorders. So like I was saying, I'd just written this Facebook post and what people didn't realise was that I'd been struggling really badly with eating disorders from about the age of 11 or 12. And it started because my... Well, this is, what, this is why I believe it started. Um, we moved around all the time and I really didn't have any ground grounding. And I went to one school where I was really, really badly bullied. And there was a girl in my year who was 
really thin. She was Spanish. She was really thin. You could see like the the bones in her lower back when she leant, leant forward. And she was really popular with the boys. Again, like really popular with the boys. Um, really popular in class. Teachers liked her. And and it was the first time where I really thought, you know, maybe it, maybe it's because of the way she looked. Mm. Um, so I. You know, my eating disorder kind of, I think, really started properly from then. I also had really bad anxiety, and it's very strange for people to think that children can have anxiety, yeah. but I really did, and I was really depressed. And what people don't realise a lot of the time is that eating disorders are a combination of anxiety and depression, Absolutely. and pretty much everyone that has them has those two traits. Yeah. Um, well, they they do have those two traits. Yeah. Or one of them. Yeah. Um. So. Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I would do everything I could to lose weight. I mean, I was just so fixated on it as a teenager. And then it got really bad for me when I went to boarding school. So my parents were like, you know, we've uprooted her so much, let's put her in boarding school. Um, at the time, I wanted to run away from this school that I was, you know, I, I was presently at the time. And um, I went to this boarding school and it, it was all girls. And you can imagine what that's mm. like, you know, when it's just competitiveness and I wasn't really the sportiest so you know I kind of stood out because I was the tallest I was the biggest I'd had my periods first before anyone else and um I just felt like a giant freak so I feel like I'm rambling on sorry please Um, no this is so (laughs) interesting please um but you know the eating disorder really started when I was about like properly when I was about 14 I think um and this was at a time again when you could order diet pills and stuff off the internet so I would it's most do never ever do this by the way as a little word of warning um I would order these diet pills off the internet that were designed for people who are clinically obese but that's what I saw in the mirror was obesity and there were these these pink tablets that you'd take and they would swell up in your stomach so you didn't want to eat and they were disgusting and they didn't work because they're designed for <laughs> obese people yeah but I um I would take them I would live off apples if I ate anything with salt in it it was this like huge um, like like a bomb would go off in your head where you yeah. just couldn't even handle it. You know, your day would be ruined. Yeah, the shame, the girl. Yeah, the- I almost fainted off a running machine once because I hadn't eaten all day. And, you know, mm. it was just quite, every minute of the day was calories. I also had this notebook where, again, you know, I don't know if I'm allowed to mention magazine names. Um, heat, you know, magazines like Heat Magazine at the time. It was this really popular magazine where they would just insult celebrities and mm. make fun of them. And it would also have it also had this fixation on skinny celebrities and the size zero movement. You know, there were celebrities like Paris Hilton, Nicole Richie, Lindsay Lohan, who were all living in LA and having this glamorous life, falling out of nightclubs. And um, I would cut those pictures out and stick them in a notebook. And Heat Magazine would write things like, how does she get down to this size? We've spoken to a nutritionist and this is the diet plan this girl probably mm. follows. And I, would, and I would cut it out and I would read it like it was a Bible because yeah. that's what I wanted to do. And I knew then that I'd have to eat less than a certain amount of calories a day in order to be as thin as them. Mm. Yeah, I mean, this is resonating so much with me and I'm sure with so many people listening as well because it it does start at school for a lot of people. Mm. Um, and I think you are spot on in that it's seeing these popular girls um, or these likeable girls or the girls that are popular with the boys and thinking, what do they have? And going, oh, it's because they're skinny mm. and thinking that's what I need and then that will work for me. And then you kind of start, don't you, this like perpetual cycle of like needing um, something to be validated. So it can start with like needing to be skinny. And then mm. as you get older, I always think it changes then to needing to be rich or needing to have a boyfriend or needing to be, you know, you kind of just keep like changing the container of the need for validation Mm. right Mm. but I think for so many girls at school it starts with that needing to be skinny to be liked Mm. 
I think so as well. And, um, you know, what you have to remember as well is that at the time, there wasn't Instagram and things like that. It was, you know, you had your media, which was you'd go into a shop and you'd buy your magazines mm. or you'd see what you were watching on TV. There wasn't Netflix or anything. There wasn't, like, programmes being spoken about, you know, diversity or fair representation. No. It was all, like, a very, very narrow-minded view of what beauty was and what women should be and that's what I wanted to be uh, and there was no uh, there was no awareness of airbrushing either no like no. no one even knew what I mean I used to look at magazines of women's skin because I had really bad skin when I was younger as well and I would be like how is their skin so perfect you know you had mm. no idea that these pictures are airbrushed you think like this is genuinely how they look yeah and this is how I should look and because I don't look like this there's something like really wrong with me yeah no absolutely I didn't really have that bad skin as a teenager but when I became a model actually that's when my skin really went bad because you know when you're not eating enough or you're not eating properly that can really affect hormones which then get really triggered which then make you break out everywhere blah 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 so um yeah so anyway I, I went to new york and i'd just broken up with a boyfriend at the time which we'll talk about as like another defining moment probably yeah and um i decided then that i would get help for it finally so I went to a therapist and, and Americans are very open about therapy. Mm. And this is something, you know, I've been, I've been making myself sick for years and years and years. Oh, that was another thing, actually. Sorry to like go back and Don't forth. Don't apologise. Um, so for me, I didn't realise that I had bulimia and it sounds like the most stupid thing in the world because it's like, well, how do you not know you're making yourself sick? I knew I was making myself sick, but it wasn't because I was trying to lose weight. I was doing it. Like the anorexia was, was focusing on that. The bulimia for me was just stress. Right. If I was stressed out, I would maybe put my headphones in or I would, you know, go to the bathroom. It was like this really chronological um, what's the event. You know, I'd mm. go in, I'd put a glass of water on the side. I would put napkins out. I would lock the bathroom door. It was all, it was like my private space. And then mm. I would put my fingers down my throat, like my two fingers, <laughs> shove it down my throat until your throat kills, basically. And some people do bleed from doing that after a while and just get everything out until it was bile, so it was like nothing there. And I would do it because afterwards I would feel like this weight had been lifted and that I'd punished myself properly and that was my, you know, way out of, of the way I was feeling. And it's sat like, now I look back and I'm like, what, what were you doing? Like, why would you even think that was like a normal thing to do but it was completely like in my head it was completely rationalized yeah and even towards the end of my boarding school days i remember this you know every everything focused on food it was just food 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 and um the very last weekend of us all being in school the sixth form would organize this movie night and they'd hired like got this film probably from blockbuster or something I don't know, and um uh had this you know ordered pizzas and and like bowls of sweets and popcorn and like so much food you can you can't imagine yeah and i just piled up my plate like just food upon food upon food would eat and eat and eat and eat and eat until you cannot eat anymore and then i would be like oh sorry guys i just have to go out and i went out and i would just make myself sick and i think people like people did know i had a problem but no one really wanted to address it yeah mm. So anyway, this this therapy in new york you know finally after 10 years or 12 years of doing it by this point i just really it was just a really groundbreaking moment, you know, because it and also it taught me that like the reason why I was doing it was because there were loads of underlying issues that I hadn't addressed, like the anxiety, the depression, OCD is another one. Mm -hmm. People with eating disorders, it's like a form of OCD because you are you are obsessed. You are like a crazy person, mm -hmm. and trust me, you've never met anyone more um, committed to anything until you've met an anorexic person. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't. People will never Absolutely. understand. Absolutely. Mm. I actually feel quite emotional listening to this. Oh no, it's fine. No, it's uh, <laughs> it's really 
heartbreaking for like that younger you and to think so many young girls and boys are going through that pain and that punishment and that yeah. obsession and the sadness it's you know it, it, re- it really is and you d- and you don't realize it at the time i think but people you know, pass it off as like being like attention seeking or yeah. a way of losing weight and it, it isn't that's not what it's about like yes obviously there's an element of it because you think that by being thinner you will be happier mm-hmm. but the the primary cause like the primary reason you're doing it is because you want to be happy and you think that by becoming something that you're not you will finally be free of who you are spot you know? on I mean that is spot on it is just it all comes from filling our voids filling a void of why we think we're not enough and just trying anything to desperately make ourselves more worthy Mm. and you know for you it was trying to be skinnier or Mm. you know and for others it's trying to be richer or trying to be fitter or trying to be um you know and the thing with the validation of looks is it's really never-ending because mm. there's no such thing as perfection and no. and you are just striving and striving and never, ever getting there or reaching there. So it's just this constant state of misery until you have that epiphany like you had to get help and to really see another way of living your life. Mm. Mm. I think so. Hey Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com/acast and use code acast for 20% off your first purchase. Hello, we're here to tell you about the Loose Lips podcast. Me being Georgie Porter. And me, Samira Mighty. We are all about honesty and not holding back, especially when it comes to what's in the news. Plus, we answer your questions and give advice wherever it's asked for. Even when it's not asked for, we're all about what you're really thinking and what you really want to know. You can expect to hear a little bit of this. Darling, this is all fake. Well, what how... kind of idiot? A little bit of this. Why am I obsessed with dating shows? I've done every one of them. <laughs> and of course, a bit of this as well. Who the hell yeah. did this? Get them now. That's the Loose Lips podcast out every Monday and not forgetting the bonus extra lippy on Thursdays. Find it wherever you found this podcast. We'll see you there. Bye. Bye. 
do you think there was like a one moment that you thought I need therapy was there like a rock bottom yeah so I've been in New York and I just broken up I've just been broken up with actually and um, that was really traumatic because I've been engaged so it was with my fiance at the time and um, I was in a new new country didn't mm. know anyone was doing this new modeling thing when I first went to New York um, I didn't get into the it sounds ridiculous like the plus size modeling because my agent at the time the lady who was there wanted me to still be a thin model straight size model so I was you know struggling with that and I remember just sitting like I remember it being in a bar in the bathroom of the house that I was staying in and I made myself sick and I was just like why just why am I doing this I just thought why am I doing this so I called up my my parents and I just went look you know I'm not mental I promise but but I've been doing this for a really long time and I really want help for it and they said okay like well we'll help you they didn't they didn't know because the thing is as well it's very secretive and you don't want your secret coming out mm. um and I yeah I, I, that, that was when I decided to make a conscious effort to change it I was like I don't want to live with the secret anymore you know what did it just feel like such a weight had been lifted yeah it did like more of a weight than being sick ever could you know yeah yeah yeah. because like that's a temporary relief and then you're waiting for the next moment you can do it and you know telling someone this massive secret you're finally like oh it's out in the open now and when something's out in the open it means that you can't hide you can't shy away from it you have to now confront it and you have to deal with it yeah and you have to get help yeah it's the first time in my life where I really, where I really realised I had a problem because up until that point I didn't think I had one, and I know I, I know how crazy that sounds. I just didn't think no, it was it just doesn't. a way of dealing with stress, and it was my personal secret. Yeah. No one needed to know. Well, when you get so used to something, it's like people that suffer from like chronic pain, or um, let's say you have someone who gets headaches every day, and they're like, "Oh, that's just that's just how I am. I just get headaches every day." And it's like, oh, no, no, that's not normal to get headaches every day. You should Mm. probably get that checked out. But when you get so used to any kind of pain, whether it's mental, physical, emotional, you absolutely just normalize it Mm. because you don't you stop like realizing that anything is any different and you're not speaking to people on a daily basis you're not going up to someone and be like by the way do you make yourself sick Mm. you know it's just it's not something you consider so you you normalize whatever you're going through and that is a way of coping yeah Um, and it's a way of allowing yourself to continue to do it yeah because if you start questioning this isn't normal there is something that needs to be addressed here you know at that point you have to confront it and start working on it and start fixing it and that means that you have to end your addiction when you have to end your addiction Mm. i mean there's nothing more scary than that Mm. and that's what it that's what it is is an addiction absolutely eating disorders are a form of addiction of course Mm. so shall we go on to your third defining moment so the third one was i have been in a relationship for five years and you know this guy was like the the love of my life or I thought he was the love of my life and um, we were engaged and I put up with so much like I look back now and I I realised I put up with so much shit and um, he actually caught me being sick once when we lived together and I was you know when I was still being a a model back in London and um, he caught me being sick and rather than help me he was mortified that I would even do it it was like you need to sort yourself out you're disgusting kind of thing like never you know helping and um I mean, really not a nice guy. And like I said, I just moved to New York and 
what what it was really strange he never worked he kind of lived off his parents money or my money or whoever's money whoever else's money it was didn't really want to do anything with his life and I moved to New York and the, I was only meant to be there for three months uh, which is a really long time I mean like to go away for work for three months is a long time you know it's, you know but the idea was he would come in the middle of that break stay with me for two weeks and then we would I'd see him like a couple of weeks afterwards and he'd get to come to New York and it'd be really fun and we'd, you know, be this amazing couple, la la. So I'd been there and then he started going really quiet and it was the first, you know, a woman's instinct is never wrong. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So my gut was like, something really is not right with this. And I just had a feeling and this one day I just called him out on it. I just said, are you seeing someone else? And he goes, yeah, I am, yeah. Wow. And I was like, "Uh, okay, who? And Did it your was, heart at that point just Oh drop? my god, I mean like, you can imagine, new country, don't know anyone. I've got a flat in London where he's now been sleeping with someone else in the flat that I live in. I was just like, What the hell? And um he said, I've never loved you. I know I never <gasps> want to be with you. Um I'm in love with this girl. And um <sighs> I yeah, I did I did a very rude handshake then, sorry everyone. And um I I don't want to be with you anymore and he was like I want all your stuff out of the flat and I was just like how well I was like how do you expect me to do that when I'm in America and he said you know um I don't care you just need to you need to sort it out and this girl was about 12 years younger than him which is a bit weird anyway but like for the age that he was at and she was very very young and um again you know she's quite impressionable and that kind of thing and um yeah he he moved her in he my parents had to drive down get my stuff and he moved her stuff in the next day <gasps> Um, oh Charlie it was awful because I genuinely thought I was going to be with this person this person was all I'd known for five years but then I mean oh god I couldn't eat I couldn't sleep for months I I didn't go back to England for a year I I mean I couldn't face it I was like I went back for Christmas and I you know London obviously is huge but I bump into everyone all the time uh, because I'm from here so I you know was just feeling sick all the time being here It it was a nightmare and it took me a really, really long time to go over that one. Really How long, long did it take you? Honestly, I know this probably sounds weird, and I, I read on the internet that if you, if you, if you can't get over heartbreak this long, then something wrong. But it was about three years. Yeah. Um, but that's because you know I was with him for such a long time. It was all I knew, and I knew his family. I mean, the family also cut me out. That was that was another really hurtful thing. Was mm. that the minute he said to me, "I don't want to be with you anymore," his family didn't talk to me. Never heard from him again. And this is someone who I'd... In five years. Of, like, people that I, you know, that I knew. And, um, you know, he's since married this girl. It was... Yeah. And this only happened three... Yeah, three years ago. So, it was a really, really tricky time. Really, really tricky time. And... Sorry, four years ago now. Um, But from that, I mean, if he hadn't done that, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now. Oh, absolutely. And that's that's why it's life-defining. I'm so glad you've chosen this as a moment because... Well, I, I, you know, I feel very unfeminist talking about a man. No, but I think that your relationship, real life, yeah, and I think that the relationships that you have are like do define you. And you know, when I was with him, I needed him, and I'm now at a stage in my life where I don't need a man. (laughs) I know earlier we were talking about men before, Mm. but like I don't need a man anymore, and to go through something like that where someone has literally just uprooted your life yeah. and, and changed every you know everything that you knew has been really was 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 awful but it was also really great you know i i, I didn't realize how independent i was mm-hmm. i didn't realize how much fun i could have um out there you know with men or with whatever Amazing. <laughs> um and 
I just look at what I'm doing in my life and I look at his and I'm like, Jesus Christ, like, thank God I'm not with you anymore. Yeah. Like, and there is that moment where you look back and you're like, what the fuck was I thinking? I know, but like, not, not, I'm not, I don't even mean that like in a horrible way. I'm just like, mate, you got married. Like, in four years, that's what you've achieved is marriage. And in that time, I've written and published two books, set up a skincare line, set up a charity, moved to New York, dated, yeah, dated a few random people, got like a few, <laughs> few scrapes of that kind of thing. But like, you know, I've like, I love I've this. just done so so much more than that and yeah. I really wasn't a, like, I put so much focus on on being in a relationship that I, I needed that to happen you did and look I am I anyone that's listening to this I mean I get asked how to move on from a heartbreak a lot it's like the, the thing I get asked the most and I always say to them you know congratulations because like you're about to like start a new journey and it's so exciting and the thing is when you first go through heartbreak and I've been there and you've been there and pretty much everyone listening has been there you genuinely think you're never ever going to move on Mm. and I would say the way that you were dumped and was a bit bit I mean absolutely savage probably one of the worst ways you know Mm. and to have a younger girl you know moved in the next day told he never loved you the fat cutter from the family I mean that's as pretty much as bad as it gets for a breakup and you got it over it and now you are empowered and now you are happy and it's mm. like that is just like a sign and a message to everyone listening who thinks that they'll never get over someone everybody gets over heartbreak eventually it might take you three years yeah it might take you one year it might take you six months but you will get there but also don't feel the need to like rush into a relationship because you feel like you need to get over him exactly. by doing that you need like to you heal re- yourself yeah, like you have to get to a point where you realize i don't need a man that is the place every woman needs to get to after they have gone through heartbreak yeah it's so true oh but i've got one more story about that though so so (laughs) i've got time yeah okay producer lady's like yeah um so didn't go back for a year right was like apart from christmas and then in the march i was was going back to london and i thought i don't want to harbor any more of this feeling like every single day i'm thinking about them i'm thinking about the fact she was probably sleeping with him in the bed that like i bought Mm -hmm. amongst my clothes my possessions like i don't want to do this anymore so i i emailed him because he'd blocked me off everything as well which is really immature (laughs) and um when he was the one who did it and um he was like can we uh i said can we meet up and just put this to bed and he replied back to me like a lawyer's letter it was so strange dear charlotte um may i inquire what the meeting will be about um if we are to meet i'll bring my girlfriend with me to see you and i thought yeah right like he's not gonna bring like he would do that you know so we go to Pret, walk into Pret. Pret. Good old Pret. Yeah, good old Pret. I walk in and she sat there with him at this table and I was just like, what the hell have I done? And it was like, my legs went to jelly. I thought I was going to throw up. I was like, oh my God, because suddenly you're seeing someone that you've only seen on the internet. And um, I, yeah, I just didn't, I didn't know what to do. And, um, and I sat there and she sat opposite me and she was, she put, she put her hands all over him and she was like, I, I, she was calling it like this baby term she's like oh, baby tell her what you've been doing baby I'm so proud of you oh baby you got a show and I was just like, I'm going to literally be sick and then he she she goes oh look at the time Um, I, I need to go and meet a friend actually and I was like okay right jog on kind of thing so she walks out of the restaurant oh sorry she walks out of Pret <laughs> not like the most classy <laughs> I mean, there are enough pretz in London, come on. And um, and he burst out crying, 
just sobbing, 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 saying, I can't believe I've done this. I don't I don't know how I've treated you this way. You know, I still have feelings for you. And I said, you shouldn't say that because your girlfriend's just left. Prep. And he said, well, um, you know, I can't help the way I feel. She knows that we were together. And I was like, yeah, but you literally said a year ago to me that you never had feelings for me. You threw my stuff out the flat. I mean, you couldn't have ended things in a worse way. Mm. No, you know, I don't feel that way. Anyway, he then said to me, um, I really want you back in my life as a friend. I just want, and I thought, oh, I don't know if I want to do this, but maybe like, maybe we can just be friends. You know, we had five years together. Maybe mm. we can be friendly. So that evening I went home and I got an email from him. Mm-hmm. It was all very strange. Like, have they heard of social media? I don't know. <laughs> got an email from him saying, uh, uh, hi, I'm um, so glad I saw you today. I'm so glad you're in my life. Can't wait to see you more. And then she emailed me. She also got my email and she went, hi, Charlie, it was so lovely finally meeting you. I've heard so much about you from all of our friends. I was like, they're not your friends, first of all. But anyway, um, I've heard so much about you from our friends and um, I'm so glad you're going to be in with the team. Keep flying the flag for feminism over in the US and I'll keep doing it in the UK. And I thought, you cheeky. (laughs) Like, you bloody what? What the hell you want? So anyway, I thought, like, all right, I'm going to, you know... (laughs) maybe she's trying to be nice and I thought right you clearly do you need to read up on feminism hun do you know what I mean so she goes away and then a week a week or two later I get an email saying from him again saying hi Charlie just so you know me and X are now engaged and that was it and he cut me out of his life again even though he was the one who'd like drag me back no mm. dump me drag me in. do you see what I mean yeah. so it's just this massive head fuck basically where you're just like like why am I allowing myself to be treated this way by mm-hmm. anyone and yeah. I just want, and I just won't put up with it anymore good yeah good for you we've all been there we do do this thing where we allow people men or women to treat us like shit less than we deserve mm. but there has got to be a point where you're like you know what enough mm. like I'm absolutely this is just not what I'm going to do anymore mm. I'm going to rise above this and I know what I'm worth I'm not going to accept anything less. And, you know, you've got to look out for those red flags. You've got to look out for, you know, my sister, you say to me when I was younger, she's like, if you want to know how someone's going to treat you in the future, look at how they treated you in the past. And it was one of the best pieces Mm. of advice I ever got given. And I still, you know, and I repeat it to people that I'm repeating on this podcast now because it is absolutely true. I mean, it takes a lot for someone to really change. I'm not saying it's impossible. It's highly fucking unlikely Mm. is what I'm saying. Mm. And, you know, that that's proof of it. Yeah, I think so as well. And good luck to him. But, you know, I'm, I'm really quite glad now that I went through that. Really, that's amazing. And I think, there's no, like we were saying earlier, I'm all about not harbouring anger or resentment to anyone, no matter how they treated yeah. us, because you get an amazing lesson from it. You learnt, um, you grew, you evolved. And the fact is, he's done you a massive favour because it has got you to where you are today. So... Mm. Um, I think it's always really nice when we can look back in gratitude for even our biggest challenges. Mm, mm, I think so. So, quick fire questions for you, Charlie. Mm-hmm. Number one, mm-hmm. most memorable book? Oh, um, the one that, well, I'll, I'll give you the one that I love the most, mm-hmm. um, which is El- Eleanor Oliphant <gasps> is completely fine. Is that what, is, is yeah, that what it's called? I absolutely love oh, that book. Oh, it's so good. It's such a charming, so sweet book. Yeah. Oh, I love, I love it. Good one. Thoroughly recommend. And that's about mental health as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's a beautiful book. Favourite quote? This too shall pass. 
love mm. it's on my instagram page yeah i love that one. i'm gonna tattoo that like you know how people have got live laugh love along their wall yeah, yeah. that's what i'm gonna have printed on my wall oh, i love it i'm actually not gonna do that but you know no. this too shall pass is really important it is yes yeah. um most influential mentor oh um hmm i have to think about that one soz we'll come back to it we'll come back to that one your go-to feel-good film it's not really a film my go-to feel-good f- tv program mm-hmm. is the in-betweeners <laughs> Have. I love it. It's just nice to have a lot. It's just so good. It just cheers me up every time I watch it. Yeah, that's what you want. Yeah. A moment where you felt most proud. Mm. Recently, I, I felt really proud because this beauty line that I've set up, Squish, um, the products are in Liberty now. And walking into Liberty and seeing it in there was awesome. That is an am- yeah. amazing moment. That was really cool. And Liberty is so chic. Oh, it's so young. Yeah, oh, well posh. done. I'm proud of you. Posh that's F, yeah. <laughs> A song that cheers you up. Hmm. This Charming Man by the Smiths. Oh, not heard Yeah. I like it. It's got a nice little opening. First three things you do when you wake up. Okay. Check my phone, which is not a great one. <laughs> but I do. Yeah. Check I my love phone. I make two pots, uh, two cups of tea. I have yeah. to have two. It's like probably a bit of an OCD thing, but I have yeah. to have two cups of tea. And jump in the shower. Love. Yeah. Not that exciting, sorry. It's good. Your guilty pleasure? Tea. I drink mm. so much tea. It's How many just cups? Too much, man. How do you take it? Milky. Sugar? No, no sugar. I'm sweet enough. Wink, <laughs> wink. Um, no, I... Um, yeah, tea is my guilty pleasure. And EastEnders. Oh, yeah. EastEnders and tea? Oh, God, yeah. I mean, that's like, that's that, that is the height of my week. Drinking tea, watching EastEnders, watching them make tea on EastEnders. I mean, yeah, what, what could be better than that? One thing you'd like to achieve in the next year? Um, something I'd like to achieve. I have a lot of like, per, like professional goals that are quite secretive, but I write a list all the time of like the goals I want to achieve and I try and make them happen. I love like, that vision boarding. Vision yep. boarding. Um, the first person you'd call to share good news? Either my mum or my grandma. Oh, grandmother. I, I don't know why I call her grandma because her name's like Nan, but yeah, my Nan or my mum. I love that. Yeah. Let's go back quickly. Most influential mentor. <sighs> Bloody hell. I don't know. There's no one who's like. I'm probably going to regret this question. Like, probably going to regret this at the end of it. But um, I honestly don't know. Do you know what? Maybe you are your own. Could be my own, maybe. I mean, I, yeah, I don't know. Maybe you mentored yourself, and isn't that great? Yeah, my dad's my dad's been very influential actually in my life um, because he's achieved a lot, mm. and that's always been a real inspiration for me. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Well, that has been honestly such a fun and <laughs> honest and open and vulnerable, and um, I've honestly had the best time chatting oh, to you. Thanks so much for having Thank me. Thank you so much for um, really just sharing so openly. I mean, I just love that, and and I really think it will inspire so many people listening. Um, you have been through so on so many personal journeys, you know, battling eating disorders, horrific breakups, you know, trying to find your place in an industry where you didn't feel like you fit in, you know, initially. And I think you are an inspiration. And thank Aww. you again for coming on The Moments That Made Me. Oh, thanks so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Mom 
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.